get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like, I, you know I'm the man, don't you? Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. You're listening to the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibbony, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview. Transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square. What's going on in camp? As you know, you are listening to the Church Politics Podcast. This is Justin Gibney. I am the co-founder and president of the Ann campaign, and I'm just happy to have y'all listening once again this week, man. It has been another crazy week. We're what, I guess, just less than two weeks out from the election, and it is getting more and more tense. Uh, And as we do at the Ann campaign and on the Church Politics podcast, we're going to try to cut through some of that tension and help Christians see what's going on in the political landscape as clearly as possible. And we know there is a lot of fog uh, in the land today, but we're going to get to it. Before I get to the issues, you know, I got to tackle uh, the elephant in the room, and I'm just happy to 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 address this with you all. Uh, as many of you might have heard or seen on the Ann Campaign social media last week, uh, my co-host and the Ann Campaign's chief strategist, Michael Ware, has decided to step away from the Ann campaign to do some work in electoral politics uh, with a political action committee. Now, I want to be clear, the Ann campaign is in no way involved in that endeavor, but it's all love. Man, let me tell you, we wish Michael and his beautiful family the best, uh, and we greatly appreciate, I mean, greatly appreciate all the time and effort that that, that Michael put into the Ann campaign. I mean, it's, it's really been a special time. Uh, Michael's contribution uh, honestly has helped us grow. It's exposed our message to a much larger group than we would have been able to reach without him. Uh, and I am just uh, honored to have had the opportunity to work with him. Uh, we will certainly keep in touch with our brother. And who knows, we might even have a chance to collaborate sometime down the road. Uh, but it's been uh, it was fun while he was here. I enjoyed uh, doing this podcast with him. But obviously, uh, he won't be co-hosting the Church Politics podcast any longer. I'll be doing today's episode solo. Yeah, that's right. So y'all just have to listen to my monologues uh, today. But I think uh, going forward, I'll probably have some special guests and I will be looking for a new co-host at some point in the future. So I'd love to hear uh, what y'all think about that. But that's something that'll be happening. But for now, it's just me. I did want to say something to you because I did want to assure uh, all our listeners and all our supporters that the end campaign is still strong and moving forward and that the Church Politics podcast ain't going nowhere. We're just getting started, so you can believe that. Uh, But I will say this. uh, As always, we could use your help. Uh, The Church Politics Podcast, uh, our audience has grown tremendously in the last six to to nine months. Uh, We literally have tens of thousands of people all over the country and some folks outside of the country that are tuning in to this podcast each week. Uh, And I am so grateful. Uh, When we started this podcast, we wanted to give Christians a different sort of political commentary. We thought we were providing something that was unique, that Christians would want to hear from a biblical worldview. You just don't hear politics 
uh, or political commentary very much from a Christian worldview. And we wanted to provide that based on our expertise, but most importantly, based on our faith. Uh, And it seems like to some extent we succeeded in doing that. I hope you all know that we put a lot of time and effort uh, into this. Uh, We never just picked a topic and just started talking about the topic off the top of our heads or just kind of blabbering. We always did the research. Uh, We always carefully thought through the issues and took our time to make sure that we were giving you something that was hopefully edifying. Um, And so I'm I'm glad to see that so many people appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been fun so far. But here's what I'm going to ask of you today. We need you to go from being just a listener to being a supporter of the podcast and a supporter of the movement in general. Now, those of you who have been following us for a while know that almost all of our content is free. Uh, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I would like to keep it that way because part of my vision for the and campaign and the church uh, politics podcast was to reach as many Christians as possible. I didn't want people not having resources to keep them from getting this information that we're that we've been trying to get out from raising their civic li- uh, literacy. But you've got to help me keep it that way. Um, and so what I've done uh, is I've created a Patreon and you can go to Patreon dot com slash church politics and you can be a become a monthly subscriber, just a monthly giver uh, to the church politics podcast, whether you are giving five dollars a month or, you know, one hundred dollars a month, whatever it may be, we would greatly appreciate it. If you have it, we would appreciate it. Not only do we want you to spread the word. But we want you to be a supporter so that we can get this out and, and, and you know, maybe even do some advertising, things like that, and grow this podcast even more. It's amazing how many uh, listeners we have. And we've never really even marketed uh, uh, the show. Uh, so if we can start doing some of that, maybe we can even reach more Christians and, and spread this movement even further. So that's my request of you. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and we're going to get into some politics uh, right after this. We're going to talk about what a political win in the presidential election really means. What does it mean to the Christian? I'm going to take a break and I'll get right back to you in a second. We are back with the Church Politics Podcast, or I guess I should say I'm back. I got to get used to that. Listen, I want to talk about what this election really means for the Christian. And listen, this election has major consequences. It's clear that both presidential candidates have different values, have different worldviews, and will govern this country very differently. We can't pretend that this the outcome of this election isn't a big deal because we're somehow spiritually above it all. No, it is a big deal. And we need to recognize that this election will impact a lot of things and impact a lot of people. For starters, it will impact foreign policy. It'll impact immigration policy, abortion, health care, religious liberty, racial justice, criminal justice and the economy. But not just that, it will impact the public discourse and it will impact the culture 
Many of those things have life or death consequences for us and for our neighbors. Now, it's fair, in my opinion, brothers and sisters, it is fair for Christians to be passionately rooting for the party or for the leader that they believe handles those issues in the best way. Who do you think will be the best leader? Who do you think will have the best policy? I understand you rooting for that and being passionate as you advocate uh, for that leader. Uh, These parties are many things, but these parties are not equal on most issues and they're not equal in general. So you need to sit down again. we, We don't tell you who to vote for, but you need to sit down and you need to be thoughtful. Sit down in community, talk with others and decide who you think the best person for the job is. What party do you want to be in power? All right. You need to think about that. Be honest about it and just be thoughtful and make the best decision you can. As we've said before, this one vote is not the whole of your public witness, but it is an important part of that public witness. So make sure that you're engaged and make sure that you vote. That said, we still have to ask ourselves what a win in this election means. What is it really worth and what should be our reaction and our message if the side we identify with or at least the side that we're voting for wins? Again, the stakes are high, but by looking at social media uh, and the Christian commentary surrounding the election in general, it appears that many Christians believe that the battle between good and evil is one If Trump is reelected or alternatively, if Biden wins and if that's the perspective that you take, well, I have news for you. Your party winning this election isn't a cure all. It isn't automatically going to make everything all better. And it certainly doesn't mean that your job as a citizen and as a political actor is done. If you view an electoral win as the end of the civic process, then I believe that you have an overly simplistic view of politics. If you have no plan to hold your own political party accountable if they win, then you are mistakenly leaving them to their own devices and likely need a history lesson because that doesn't end well. If, if, if you're content, if you're completely content with your party having the most electoral votes when all the votes are tallied and you don't have any other concerns, like that's your primary and only concern, then there may be some of what you hate about the other side in you. If an electoral win ends your political analysis, then you should be slower to talk about how thoughtless and dumb the other side is. If you can't list, and I mean literally write down and list uh, off the top of your head, the perils that could come with your party winning this election, then you need to pay more attention and you've likely been indoctrinated. So here's how we're going to start. I'm going to start with what some of the what some of the folks who are voting for Trump need to be paying attention to. And then I'll get to Biden. I know y'all get upset. So just know I'm covering both as usual. Look, let me start again with these Trump supporters. If Trump gets four more years, if he's reelected, 
then Christians who voted for him need to do a much better job. I mean, a much better job of holding him accountable. The way some Christians, not all, but the way some Christians defended and summarily dismissed all the foulness and all the indecency that came out of his mouth has been disgraceful. The words of the leader of the free world matter. You can't just shrug them off because you're getting some of what you want. Many of you wouldn't even hire someone who talked or acted like Trump to lead your company. But yet somehow we'll pretend that his antics aren't really a big deal if, again, he's supporting some of your policy priorities. I think folks who are going to be voting for Trump should ask themselves right now why white supremacists are so supportive of the president. And then once you think about that, you should make sure that if he's reelected, that you will fight against whatever it is that makes them so comfortable that you fight against it in the second term. And I'll end with this. You should advocate for the poor. And you should advocate for more humane immigration policy, more compassionate treatment of all those seeking asylum. There are many things that may happen if Trump's reelected. All of those things should not be something that Christians find comfort in. And so let's take the time, if you are voting for Trump, to make sure you're thinking through not only how excited you're going to be when that day comes, but what you're going to have to advocate against that may come from that administration. Please take the time to think about it. I'm going to take another break and then we're going to get to the folks voting for Biden. I'll be right back. All right, Ann Kemp, we are back uh, and we are talking about exactly what an electoral win, especially in the president, in the presidential election. What does that mean? What's the true value of that for the Christian? And I'm just talking about the win. I'm not talking about exactly everything that happens after. But what what does that win mean? And so we just talked about how uh, folks who are voting for Trump need to not just be celebrating when when Trump wins, but if Trump wins but need to be thinking about what they need to push back on, what they may need to question and what is not okay that that happened the first time around that they need to make sure doesn't happen the second time around. And now we'll be talking about the other side. What about those folks that vote for Biden? How should they react if he wins? And I would say this, if Biden wins, Christians who voted for him uh, need to be aware of the very serious dangers in the Democratic platform, most of which uh, Joe Biden has not pushed back back against, at least not in the last 12 years. Uh, As we've continually said on this podcast, the Democratic Party agenda in regard to abortion is beyond extreme. Honestly, it is downright appalling uh, the way that it's gone so far left over the past few years. If you look at this agenda, if you look at this platform, it completely disregards the unborn. 
almost as if, not almost as if, as if they don't exist. It doesn't even take a baby who could survive outside of the womb. It doesn't even take that baby into consideration. It's as if there's nothing there. And so I would say that if you're voting for Biden and you are unwilling to vigorously push back on that agenda, on that part of the platform, then you are more progressive than you are Christian. Because as a Christian, we have to understand that life is sacred. So don't get too caught up in a secular win and all the secular rhetoric to see the sanctity of life. And that is a serious concern that anybody that's voting for that part of the that that, that that's voting for that ticket must take into consideration. This is not something that you can just overlook. It's not something to say, well, you know, it's not a big deal. I'll come back to it later. No, you need to be thinking about that before the election is over, Um, because it's something that really is a is a major problem in our society today. And we need to deal with it. We need to deal with it with compassion and conviction. If you want to know exactly what the AND campaign thinks about that issue, uh, I would suggest getting our book, which is Compassion and Conviction, the AND campaign's guide to faithful civic engagement. That will help you think through uh, how to deal with that issue. And I'll give you a little hint. We don't deal with it in the same way as conservatives generally deal with it or progressives generally deal with it. But I'll tell you this. We do believe in the sanctity of life. So that's one thing. That's one thing that I think Christians voting for uh, the Biden ticket uh, should think about. But then there's also this. Uh, Recall that during the vice presidential debate, Vice President uh, Mike Pence uh, mentioned how Democrats, including Kamala Harris, uh, were suggesting or had been suggesting that Orthodox Christian beliefs might disqualify nominees who are trying to be judges. Um, thankfully with, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, this was something that they backed off on. Uh, but it was very clear that in, in hearings before that, that several, uh, democratic, uh, senators were pushing this narrative that Orthodox Christian beliefs, uh, specifically on the sanctity of life and, uh, the Christian sexual ethic were not acceptable for the bench. Now I do want to m- mention, and we mention this every time that really amounts to a religious test Uh, and religious tests are unconstitutional. What that means is that you cannot use somebody's religion against them when it comes to being in a seat like that. And uh, I think those senators are aware of it, but they certainly weren't following it uh, at that moment. So that was brought up by Vice President Mike Pence, to which Senator Harris responded by saying that she was a person of faith and would never hold that against someone. Well, that sounds good. Um, And I understand how that's convenient in a general election. But it's hard to tell. Now, I'm not going to question whether she's a person of faith. I'll I'll take her word for that. But I will say that it's hard to tell based on what she had been saying in those hearings. Uh, And if we need to pull the receipts, we can pull the receipts. But to say that she would never use that against someone just doesn't go with what some of the things that she said beforehand. And the reason that I bring that up is that I believe that Christians, again, who vote for the Biden-Harris ticket better be ready to speak up when it comes to religious liberty. Uh, They better make sure that they're ready to fight uh, things like the Equality Act, which would basically devastate faith-based schools and hospitals. 
uh, that would not allow faith-based schools and hospitals and other Christian in institutions, and not just Christian institutions, but institutions for other religions, would not allow them to follow their mission uh, by having rules and regulations that are out of sync with uh, some parts of the LGBTQ uh, perspective. Um, now, I truly believe, and we've talked about this before, I believe that our LGBTQ neighbors do deserve basic civil rights. I don't believe that they should be discriminated against in the job or discriminated against in housing just because of how they identify. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. There's nothing in the Bible that says somebody shouldn't be able to find a place to live because of how they identify. But I think that's best done through something like the Fairness for All Act, which has consideration for LGBTQ people, which I think is good. And it also has consideration for religious freedom. But let me tell you something. The Equality Act has no such consideration for religious freedom. None at all. And Biden has said that that would be his number one, if not one of his number one uh, priorities, if he were to win uh, the White House. And I think that Christians need to look and don't take my word for it. Look into it. Look into the Fairness for All Act. Look into the Equality Act. But it's something that you should keep your eye on, because what I can guarantee you is that the Democratic Party did not go to uh, biblical churches, biblical faith leaders, orthodox faith leaders who may vote Democrat. They didn't go to them and, and, and run that act by them. They didn't work with them on that act, whereas the Fairness for All Act went to different constituencies and got buy in from different constituencies to say, hey, it's not all or nothing. We can work together and we can live together. But it's not something that we should uh, just look past. And so if you're voting for that ticket, you need to make sure that you have something to say about the Equality Act and, and the impact that that, that that can have on faith based schools and hospitals. You see, these issues on both sides of the aisle should seriously temper your celebration on November 4th or whenever the results are available. And if they don't temper your celebration, then maybe you're not thinking as critically about this election as you should be. What really is the value of this win? Yes, it can change so many different policies that we have. But on the day that your side wins or the other side wins, at that moment, nothing has changed which means it's the beginning of a process by which you need to make sure that you're holding these people accountable, that, that you understand the perils that could come if your side wins this time around. We can't just celebrate like there's nothing to be worried about if our side wins, because if we truly care about our neighbors, if we truly care about on one end the immigration conversation, on another end the religious freedom conversation or the sanctity of life conversation or the racial justice conversation. If we truly care about those things, regardless of who wins, we have work to do. And so I just want to tell you that the work does not end if your party wins and simply by them winning. It does not mean everything is 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 already fixed. Now, we don't know what the outcome of this election will be. But what we probably all can guarantee each other is that it won't be pretty, that it's going to get pretty ugly. I've, I've heard people from both sides. And one of the most disappointing things that I've seen coming from the president and the vice president was not saying that they would support uh, the transition if they lost to say, hey, well, if we lose, I don't I don't know. I'm not going to agree that we need to transition in a healthy way. That's that's unfortunate. 
Um, I haven't heard that from the Biden side. I have heard that from many uh, progressives outside of that. Uh, and it's been disappointing. So we know that it's not going to be pretty. One side's going to be really upset. They're not going to want to accept the outcome. And what I'm asking Christians to do right now and what I think we should do, what I think the Bible demands of us in these times is to be peacemakers, is to make sure that we're doing everything we can to bring about that shalom. Now, when some people hear that, they hear pacifism. When some people hear that, they hear me saying, hey, you should forget about all these major issues and just go along to get along. I don't well, I don't think that's peace. I don't think you can have a true peace when there's all this injustice going along. I'm, I'm not saying that we should ignore those issues. I'm saying we should address those issues and try to address them together to be because to be true peacemakers, we need to be promoting justice and righteousness. We need to be promoting social justice and moral order. And so if you win, what I'm what I'm what I'm saying that Christians shouldn't do is going around boasting and bragging and shoving it in everybody's face. There's too much work to do. How excited can you really be? Because based off that win, there are still going to be people suffering. There are still going to be people suffering on the border. There's still people that are going to be suffering because of a lack of resources. And so really, how excited should we be? We should be ready to go to work and to make sure that we're holding either side that wins accountable. And that's the message today. So thanks as usual for joining us, for joining me. <laughs> I'm going to get used to that just for a while because we are going to bring some 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 other folks on and a new co-host. But I do appreciate y'all. I say that in jest, but I do appreciate y'all and the support that you've given the AND campaign. This is going to keep going. Again, we're just getting started. And as usual, AND camp, there's a cross that neither political conservatism nor progressivism is fit to bear. There's a civic hearing in need of faithful witnesses who love social justice and won't surrender the truth to be loved by the world. Politics with the boldness and compassion of Jesus Christ and camp. Until next time. This is the groove. Tell me, I'm scolding the ways of runaway slaves. I'm brave. I'm unchained. I'm Frederick Douglass with a